Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DJ Clue, DJ Clue, Death the Storm, Storm, The Rock, The Rock, The Rock. This shit right here, right here, right here. The Rock Army, Dame Dash presents, presents the Dream Team niggas, Dream Team niggas. Word, word. What's up, y'all? Yo, this is Dame Dash, the CEO from Hot. Here to welcome y'all to the Dream Team. What y'all niggas thought I was gonna rap? Never. I'm just a little mad at niggas coming at my neck like my teammate the best in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like we ain't got B, Cam, J, Bleak, Freeway. I'm here, Dane. Oh, see. I'm here. Power. 
this is just fate. How I would sit on the crate, listen to tapes every day. A frisk was a state. Chicks cuffs, risk it and rape. My mission was straight though. Visit them states near them great Michigan lakes. And fuck a bath from my piss on the gate. Flip the bird out of flip a bird, switch up my plate. I got plans that was better than jail. Now look, we like bird parish, Kevin McGill. Got worthy Jafar and magic. Oh my god, it's magic. Isaiah Dumas, I will carve your casket. Phil Scotty and Mike, Phil Shaq and Kobe. My guests will detach your homies. And I'm friends with thugs, I sell endless drugs. For the rock fam dog, I extend my love. Jay Bleak, beef, I'll be crossing the bridge. Tossing their wigs, make corpses of their kids. Free old sparks of Mac Mitten. I'm 95 South, no doubt, Mac Clippin'. I stack chips in, I'm sack spiffin'. Louis Vuitton loafers, hat drippin'. I go retrieve a duck, tell her proceed and suck. I don't just beat my cases, I beat them up. My lawyer eat them up, put bars behind me. I'm glad they didn't stop that car behind me, shit. It had three felons, gun shooters, no. 50 cal, ACP, bazooka joe. Don't be stupid, though. I can still a man. I'm for real, man. Yeah, still a kid. Uh, dipset, bitch. Wrestling. Yes, we do have a new show running the ropes, but 
it's two things I wanted to talk about uh, from this past week, the WWE. One of those things was this past Monday night, the Beast, Brock Lesnar, made his return. I mean, it wasn't long, but it was great. It's something that the WWE needed. He came in, gave everybody Suplex City, and ended it with a F5 on Roman Reigns. I mean, I got excited. I mean, even though I was sick Monday, but I managed to catch that part. I mean, it was just great. It was phenomenal. It was something that the WWE needed. You got to have Brock Lesnar on television. Everyone be like, well, he doesn't have mic skills. Who gives a fuck? Brock Lesnar is a fucking beast. He's a monster. He's a badass. He is very marketable. You need that to sell your program. It's just simple as that. I mean, Brock coming into the ring, giving about six, seven suplexes in one F5 was better than the entire show. I'm just saying, though, watching Brock do what he did Monday night was the highlight of Monday Night Raw for me. Well, it was a, it was one of the three highlights for Monday night. The other highlight was watching KO, Powerbomb, Roman, Booty Hair, Reigns through a fucking table to end Raw. Loved it. It was like poetry in fucking motion. I enjoyed it. It made me happy. It put a smile on my face. In the last moment, on Monday night, the WWE, they uh, officially announced the first entry into their 2017 class, Hall of Fame class. This man is actually one of my favorite wrestlers. He was one of my favorite wrestlers going up. He was one of the key members of the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era. I mean, he's a true athlete. He's an amazing entertainer. He was great on the mic. He was a great heel. He made you love him. He made you hate him. And one thing about him, he could really fucking wrestle. He taught me true picture of how to be a true patriot for this country. He taught me my three eyes, intelligence, intensity, and integrity. Oh, it's damn true. The first inductee into the 2017 WWE Hall of Fame class is none other than Kurt motherfucking Angle. I got to say, it's about damn time. Kurt should have been in. It's so many names that went in before Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle should have been in. Congratulations to Kurt, and I cannot wait to find out who is the rest of this Hall of Fame class. Good times. But uh, we're actually going to move on. I'm going to move on to the NBA now. Um, what was it, last night or a couple of nights ago, uh, we had a rematch of the NBA Finals from 2016 with the Golden State Warriors versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
I'm actually bringing this out early because it kind of got to me because something happened in that game that I thought was just a complete waste. But anywho, so Cleveland Cavaliers are about to go back on offense. They're on the verge of breaking, and Draymond Green draws a foul on LeBron, and LeBron James decides to flop. Okay. There's actually been a – I've seen a lot on Facebook, a lot of comments on who was right, who was wrong, blah, 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 so, 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 whatever, whatever. Here's my take on this. Okay. Was there a foul on LeBron? Yes, there was. Did Draymond intentionally try to foul LeBron? Honestly, I can't say it was too much intentional because looking at it from all angles, Draymond went for the ball. People would like it or not, but facts are facts. That was not an intentional foul, or it wasn't an intentional flagrant foul. That's another thing about that. No flagrant should have been called. No technical should have been called. That was a regular foul. It is what it is. But the part that got to me on that, not only the call on the play, but the fact that all six foot eight, two hundred and fifty pounds of LeBron flops. Come on, man. Seriously? Really? This is what we're gonna do? I understand that Draymond is six nine, two fifty ish, whatever. But you have the quote-unquote, greatest basketball player in the world who is foot 6'8", 250-plus pounds, who runs a 4-4-40, gets into a collision and flops like a little bitch. My question to you, world, to everyone who is listening tonight, how much more of this flopping Will we be able to tolerate? Yes, he was fouled, but come on now. You're 6'8", pure fucking muscle. 250 pounds of pure fucking muscle, and you're flopping to fucking point guard. No, Draymond is a power forward, but I've seen LeBron flop to point guard. Guys who are under six feet tall. Guys who are barely six feet. Flopping at him. Just trying to get a call. What kind of bitch-ass basketball are we being forced to – well, I can't say forced. We're not being forced to watch it, but what kind of basketball are they putting on TV? Is this the uh, product that they want us to watch? I'm sorry. There's one thing I cannot stand about LeBron, no matter how great he is, how many great moments that he had. It's always the little bit shit that he does. Jordan did not flop. Magic did not flop. Barkley, Ewing, Reggie, none of those names flopped. So why is flopping a big part of his game? It's like I want to give LeBron so much credit for finally bringing a title to the city of Cleveland, a long overdue, a well-deserved title 
to a sports town. But he makes it so hard for me to do that. I mean, I give LeBron his due. The, the Bama can play his ass off. He has talent. He is very athletic. He has a very strong basketball IQ. This is not a dumb nigga. This is a very intelligent African-American male. But why must he show these signs of softness? Why is he promoting softness in professional sports? I mean, it's just not him. But considering that he is the face of this association, why is he promoting? Maybe that's what they want him to promote, a softer image league. But people don't want to, people are not paying, people are not watching to see a soft-ass sport. Granted, basketball is not really a physical sport, but there is times where it gets physical. And me being a sports fan that I am, I need to see that physicality. I'm just saying, I can't see... I mean, if I wanted to see some soft shit, I would look at a sport that's very soft, like fucking chess. The World Series of Poker. If I didn't want any type of physical content, those are the type of sports I would watch. Hell, I will sit down during the fucking spelling bee. Oh, yes, yes. That's damn true. Because they do show it on ESPN. So technically, it's a sport. Anyway, let's go ahead and kick off with some with the uh, scores from today. Earlier today, the New Orleans, uh, the New Orleans uh, Pelicans, I was about to say Hornets, I forgot they changed the name and all that other shit. The New Orleans Pelicans defeated Orlando uh, Orlando Magic 118-98. to The Detroit Pistons are currently leading the Atlanta Hawks 139-110-88 with 3.39 left in the fourth quarter. The Houston Rockets are about to finish off the Milwaukee Bucks 111-92 with 16 seconds left in that game. The Charlotte Hornets defeated the Portland Trailblazers 107-85. The Philadelphia 76ers defeated the Toronto Raptors 94-89. The Washington Wizards, the Wiz Kids, defeated the Memphis Grizzlies 104-101. The New York Knickerbockers defeated the Boston Celtics 117-106. Your 10-30 your 10:30 games are the Indian, uh, the Indiana Pacers at the Sacramento Kings, the Oklahoma City Thunder at the Golden State Warriors. Now I believe those are your 10:30 games. Ah, college hoops. Let's go. I'm gonna give y'all a quick score update. Then I'm going to go over the rankings. This should be really fun. Real talk. Uh. South Carolina upset it. Wait, wait, wait. I, I said that wrong. I said that wrong. Number 24, South Carolina defeated number 19, Florida, 57 to 53. 
Florida State University defeat number 10 Florida State University defeated number 15 Notre Dame 83 to 80. Number seven, West Virginia was upset by Oklahoma, 89-87. Number 16, Virginia defeated Boston College, 71-54. to And now let's go head to those rankings. Let's talk about the top 25 teams in the country. Looking at the AP top 25, I'm going to start from 25 and work my way up, y'all. Number 25 is San Diego State. Number 24 is Auburn. Number 23 is Utah. Number 22 is Tennessee. Number 21 is Louisville. Number 20 is Miami. Number 19 is South Florida. Number 18 is West Virginia. Number 17 is Colorado. Number 16 is Virginia Tech. Number 15 Western Michigan, number 14, Florida, number 13, LSU, number 12, Stanford, number 11, Oklahoma State, number 10, Michigan State, number 9, Wisconsin, number 8, Florida State, number 7, Penn State, number 6, Ohio State, number 5, Oklahoma, number 4, Washington, Number three, USC. Number two, Alabama. And oh, stop fast. <laughs> and okay. Anywho, we're going to actually move on. I just read y'all the. Okay, I read y'all the wrong thing. Okay, my bad. I fucked up. Um, I actually read y'all football. Goddamn. Okay. Number 25 is Maryland. Number 24 is South Carolina. Number 23 is St. Mary's. Number 22 is, is Xavier. Number 21 is Purdue. Number 20 is Cincinnati. Number 19 is Florida. Number 18 is Duke. Number 17 is Wisconsin. Number 16 is Virginia. Number 15 is Notre Dame. Number 14 is Arizona. Number 13 is Butler. Number 12 is Louisville. Number 11 is Oregon. Number 10 is Florida State. Number 9 is North Carolina. Number 7, we, ooh, shit. You got West Virginia and Creighton. Number six is Baylor. Number five is Kentucky. Number four is Gonzaga. Number three is UCLA. Number two is Kansas. And the number one team is Villanova. We are pretty much less than two months away from March Madness. Stay tuned to the Skybox. We will be doing something special for March Madness. Last year, for those who remember, uh, we did uh, we did our own bracket bracket contest. When it was a best bracket, got a gift card for I think like hundred dollars or something like that. Uh, stay tuned for that because right now we're trying to work out the kinks for this year's. But I want to thank those who actually participated. Thank you. 
And now we are going straight to the NFL. Yes, we are in the NFL playoffs. God, thank you, Jesus. We are down to the final four teams. This coming weekend, it will be the championship games between the championship games of each conference, the AFC and NFC. On the AFC side, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the New England Patriots. On the NFC side, you have the Green Bay Packers versus the Atlanta Falcons. I'm looking forward to both games. But let's actually talk about this, though. Uh, Let's talk about the divisional round. I'm going to start off with a lot of the Atlanta Falcons who upset it. I can't even call it an upset. They defeated the Seattle Seahawks this past Saturday. I'm not going to call it an upset because, honestly, I thought Atlanta was a better team. I thought they were better than Seattle. I'm sorry, but ever since, ever since the super, that Super Bowl where they was at the one and they didn't run the ball, the Seattle Seahawks haven't been the same team to me. I mean, the legend of Boom is really not existent. Their run game is non-existent. And the overall play and offense of the Seahawks isn't consistent. They're not the same team that they were two, three years ago. I mean, they were a hot team back in 2013, 2014. Now, they're a good team, but they're not great. I just don't see it with them no more. I mean, we don't know if Air, if Earl Thomas is going to come back to football or not due to his, his uh, injury. But with this game, I knew Atlanta was going to be able to do what they wanted to do against them. I knew that Atlanta was going to run the ball very well against Seattle. I knew that Seattle would have matchup problems going against both their running backs in Dante Coleman and, oh, Dante Freeman and Tevin Coleman. And I knew that they wasn't going to be able to stop Matt Ryan. I mean, it's simple as that. I mean, it's just like how, I mean, it's how I saw it. I mean, a lot of people were upset or shocked that Atlanta pulled it off. I just wasn't. I mean, I didn't see the Seahawks as the same team. I mean, anytime when you give up 36 points and you're supposed to have a great defense, you're not the same team that you once were. Matt Ryan looked like a fucking MVP. Right now, he is my favorite to win the award. He is my shooting. He is the only guy I can honestly say that will get that award next to Ezekiel Elliott. But I got to give it more so to Matt Ryan because, I mean, his team depends on him way more. Without him, Atlanta ain't shit. Without Zeke Elliott, they got another back that can do whatever. But let's move on to the other the other game from Saturday with the Houston Texans and the New England Patriots. Um, hmm. Where do I go with this game? I'm surprised that it was 14 to 13 at one point. 
I'm actually shocked with that shit. I'm not going to lie. Like, second quarter, it's a three-point game. It's a one-point game. I was surprised that that game was even that close. I thought the closest that this game would ever get would be zero to zero. I mean, I'm not sleeping on Houston, but you got Tom Brady versus fucking Brock Oswaba. Now tell me, does that sound like a fucking dream quarterback duel to you? Not even? Kind of, sort of, but not really? No? That's enough from y'all? Cool. But we kept Houston in the game as long as they were in the game was the defense. I mean, without that, they really wouldn't have stood a chance against the New England Patriots. I mean, I understand they're playing at Foxborough. The pressure's on. This has been possibly the best team in, in football for the past 16 years. But the only thing that kept Houston in this game was their defense. If Houston would have had a better quarterback, if Brock Oswald was actually worth a fuck or was able to do something to get his team to any type of fucking promise in that game, I think that game would have been a better game. New England still would have won, but I think the overall score would have been a lot better. The final score to that game was 34-16. to 16. Tom Brady finished off going 18 for 38 with 287 and two touchdowns. Julian Edelman had eight receptions for 137 yards. And those are both of your Saturday games. Let's move on to Sunday. Ah, the Pittsburgh Steelers came to Kansas City to play the Kansas City Chiefs. This game was what I actually expected. Very low scoring, hard-nosed defense, both offenses struggling like shit. But anybody thought that this game was going to be anything other than that, go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be harsh. I don't mean to be so brash. But come on now. You have two great defenses playing in a playoff game. The chances of this game actually being a shootout was like one out of ten. The shit just wasn't going to happen. This was a game that I expected. I expected multiple turnovers. I expected great defensive plays. I expected a shitload of three and out. I expected to see the punter, like a, both teams' punters, like a motherfucker. I expected to see a lot of field goals, which I did. So, looking at this game, I mean, I can't take nothing away from Big Ben. I mean, your man still threw for 224 yards with 20 completions. No TDs, but he technically still had a good game. It was good enough to get them to, get them to the point where they was able to get those field goals. You got 170 yards from Le'Veon Bill. You got 170 yards out of Le'Veon Bill and Fucking Antonio Brown was just Antonio Brown. I mean, 
What else can you say about the guy? I mean, he still gave you 108 with six receptions. But what the part that really pulled my eye with this game, though, is how the Pittsburgh Steelers managed to win this game without scoring a touchdown. They didn't score a touchdown on offense. They didn't score a touchdown on defense. They still won the game. I mean, I got to give credit to that. I mean, that's a lot of – I mean, six field goals in one game? Shit, that's a lot. That is a lot to ask of your kicker. I mean, Kansas City scored two touchdowns, but Pittsburgh didn't score not one. They put their kicker to work. Six field goals. I mean, somebody – it's far people saying, okay, that's not, that doesn't, that's what he gets paid to do. But anytime where you're kicking – where you're a kicker, your team is struggling. It's cold as fuck outside. And it's the playoffs. That's a lot of pressure. I mean, it's just not, okay, the game is on a line field goal. You're dealing with all these elements that's creating more pressure on you. And he was able to get the job done. Hats off. Now, let's go to Sunday night. Well, wait, wait, well, the game from Sunday night. That featured the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. So, the Cowboys came into this game as the number one seed in the A in the NFC. This is not the first time they've done this, but they came in the playoffs as the number one seed in the NFC. First game, first playoff game this year, Green Bay, who defeated the Giants a week earlier, crushed the Giants a week earlier, came into this game as the visiting team. So the Cowboys had an extra week off, home field advantage. They pretty much had all of the elements working into their favor. What happened? They do what they've, done, what they've been doing for the past 20-plus fucking years. Choking in the fucking playoffs. Two playoff wins since 1996. But come on, D.C., Maryland, V.A., what's up with y'all's team, though? Real talk. I mean, I mean, if I could be honest, what's up with y'all's team? What's up with y'all Dallas Cowboys? Why can't they win in the fucking playoffs? But let's actually talk about the game, though. Ah, Aaron Rodgers faced the Dallas Cowboys team. The Packers were on, were in sync from the fucking start of this game. I believe they scored in, on their, what, first three drives? Touchdowns while the Cowboys were matching them with fucking field goals. Fuck out of here with that weak shit. Aaron Rodgers finished the game off with 355 yards and two touchdowns. Deke the freak Elliott would finish with 125. <clears throat> and Dez, he would have 132 with two TDs. I'm not going to lie. I thought Green Bay was going to run away with his game after that Michael Hyde interception where he pretty much jumped a fucking screen. You don't see that very often, but that was a great fucking play. I'm not going to lie. 
who the fuck who who the fuck is that aware where they jump these screen passes? I've seen screen passes get batted down, but uh, that was like one of the rare times where I saw a screen get intercepted. That was a very case of play. Fucking Hyde had a great game. I mean, he was all over. He had a sack. He had an interception. He made plays all over. He broke up some passes. I mean, this dude has really earned his spot on his Green Bay Packers team. The game actually did get close, though. The Cowboys managed to come back, scoring 18 points in the fourth quarter. The game actually got tied at 28-28, then at 31 apiece until the final drive. It's, what, third and 20, some shit like that? Aaron Rodgers breaks out of the pocket and throws a pass on the sideline, a 36-yard bomb. To fucking Jared Cook. The the that play was originally ruled incomplete by the first official, but the official behind the other official came up and said it was a complete catch. Of course the play was reviewed. Both feet, both toes were inbound when the catch was made before he slid out of bounds, making it a complete catch. That led to Mason Crosby time. Mason fucking Crosby. First, his first field goal, field goal attempt didn't count because the Cowboys decided to call a timeout to squeeze the kicker. I can't blame him for that. But that following kick, the game-winning kick, I'm not going to lie. This kick was not a fucking duty. When it when it first was coming off, I'm looking like, oh, my God, it's about to go wild left. Then it somehow, it goes from going wild left to working its way in, in between the goalposts to seal the Cowboys' fate once again. Yes, that did happen. The Cowboys' fate got fucking sealed by a ugly-ass kick that still went in. That's how badly, badly they fucking suck. Okay, I might sound biased, but it is what it is. I really don't give a fuck. Um, anywho, there was a survey going around on Facebook. People asking, was the Cowboys season a disappointment? I mean, I'm kind of 50-50 with it. I mean, yes. It was a great season where we saw Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott perform to extraordinary levels considering the fact that both are rookies. They both carried this team with the supporting cast that they already had to a 13-3 and record. Home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs and a fucking first-round back. The best record the Cowboys have had in fucking years. Possibly two fucking decades. They did that. They broke records. They made history. That part of what the Cowboys did this season was fucking great. But here comes the disappointment. You're 7-1 at home. Hosting a visiting team that barely made the fucking playoffs. Not only barely made the playoffs, but barely won their division at that. 
granted, the Packers are more experienced. Granted, the Packers were red fucking hot entering the playoffs, but you had every single advantage working in your favor. And what happened? You trailed by 18 early. You had to play catch-up. You couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers until barely the fourth quarter, but even still, he still found a way to win the game for his team. Y'all really couldn't get nothing going. Some of the fans want to blame the defense, but you can't blame the defense for the entire game. The Cowboys weren't ready. They were not set up for success. I blame Jason Garrett for that. I blame coaching. I blame Jerry Jones. Hell, I even blame Tony Romo. Well, I can't blame Romo. I'm going to put my brakes in that one. It's like I can't, but I can't. I can't put, I can't blame Romo because I, I was going to say that he should have got young Dakota ready for this game. But how can you get a young quarterback who pretty much replaced you ready for the playoffs when you fucking sucked in the playoffs yourself? It is what it is. But, I mean, the Cowboys choked. They weren't ready. And at the end result, they lost. I don't want to hear that they only lost by three. I don't want to hear that, oh, they showed up against a team of veterans and blah, 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 yada, 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 whatever bullshit y'all can do to try to save faith. The fact remains is they had all the elements. They had a 13 and fucking three record. The top fucking seed in NFC. Best fucking home record in all of football, and they still fucking choke. Dallas Cowboys, you are my choke artist of the fucking week. Y'all earned it. Y'all deserved it. A round of fucking applause. But anywho, moving on to the the conference game, the conference championship game. You had Pittsburgh versus New England, and you have Green Bay versus Atlanta. I'm going to give my predictions on this. I'm going to start with the NFC side. This game is the 305 game on Sunday. The Packers visit the Falcons at the Georgia Dome. I'm going to take Green Bay in this game. Nothing against Atlanta. I mean, when I say nothing against Atlanta, I mean there is absolutely nothing against Atlanta. But I don't like their chances in a shootout against Aaron Rodgers. He's shown the world that he can win without Jordy Nelson. He did it against the number one team in the NFC. Atlanta, they're a little bit different, but their defense isn't that great. I mean, there's no real threat. I mean, it's gotten better over the past few weeks, but there's still no threat to actually stop or slow down Aaron Rodgers. This game, I'm expecting high scoring. I'm expecting quick offenses, quick drives, long drives. I'm expecting 30, 40 points. I'm expecting a fucking 45 to 42 score, some shit like that. I'm expecting... Both quarterbacks to throw over 300 yards, with one even hitting 400. I'm expecting Dante Freeman and Tevin Coleman to have great games. 
who combined for over 200 yards rushing. I'm not sleeping on either team's defense in this game, but I don't think either team's defense can slow down the opposing offense on either side. I'm sorry, but this is a game that you would have to watch. I'm surprised that this game isn't the main event for Sunday night. Nothing against the AFC side, but this game I'm looking forward to the most because whoever wins this, they damn sure deserve to go to the Super Bowl because the Atlanta Falcons have been nothing short of amazing this season. The way that Kyle Shanahan has this offense running, the run game is fucking unstoppable. You got two backs who are fucking clones of each other. They both can run up the middle, run to the outside, and line up as receivers, catch on the backfield? I'm sorry. That's fucking amazing. You still got Julio Jones. They still got Muhammad Sanu. The Falcons are very fucking stacked. Versus the Packers, who also is very fucking stacked. Jared Cook has been a great addition to Green Bay. Ty Montgomery has been a great addition to Green Bay's run game. So this game should be fucking explosive. It should be fucking dynamite. And uh, again, I'm going to take the Packers by at least three points. Moving over to the AFC side, you have the Steelers versus the Patriots. This is going to be a good game. I'm not going to sleep on Pittsburgh. I'm not going to sleep on New England. But if I had to choose, I'm going to take the overall better team, which is the New England Patriots. That Foxborough, everyone is pretty much healthy. And it's Tom fucking Brady. They're going to find a way to win that game. Nothing against Pittsburgh. Nothing against Big Ben. Nothing against Mike Tomlin. But... I mean, if I'm going to call it, I'm going to call New England. I think New England is overall the better team. I mean, Bill Belichick in the playoffs, I'm sorry, it is what it is. He has lost, but he doesn't lose often. Tom Brady, he has lost, but he doesn't lose often. I think New England will reach the Super Bowl for the seventh, seventh, eighth time since 2001. Yeah, by the seventh time, this will be their eighth appearance. Seventh, eighth, whatever. Since one. But anywho, I think this is going to be a very close game. It might, you might, you might be that high-powered offense game from both teams. Because, I mean, both, de- both, ha- both teams do have good defenses, too. So, you don't know if this is going to be a low-scoring game or a very high-scoring game. This game could go either way as far as that. But overall, I'm picking the Patriots. And we are down to the final 12 minutes. Let's go ahead and talk about the new coaching, the new coaching jobs. Mike's our topic for tonight. The head coach shuffle. Uh, for those who have been following, uh, right now, the only team that they're still looking for a head coach is the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, not the Atlanta Falcons, shit. Oh, the San Francisco 49ers. They're looking at 
their lead candidate is Atlanta Falcons off the Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan. Honestly, I think he will be a good fit. I'm mad that the Skins let him go because I think he would have been a great fit as their head coach. I think Kyle would have. I think Kyle would have been great. Him with Sean McVay, I think that would have been very explosive. I mean, it's something that this city and team could have used a real youth movement. I mean, it would have been illustrious. But it looks like that Kyle will be on his way to San Fran, replacing Chip Kelly. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, however, found their coach. They brought in former Redskins, Washington Redskins offensive coordinator Sean McVay, making Sean McVay the youngest head coach in NFL history at the age of 30. 30. Let that burn it. You got this. Well, I take it back. I take it back. Uh, no, he's thirty. He's thirty. You have this coach getting his first head coaching job in the NFL at the age of thirty. Then what? Then you got the stage that he's going to be on. He's going to be in fucking LA. I mean, he's going to be in. A, he, he's getting his first coaching job on a fucking huge market. It doesn't get no better than that. But I like this move for the Rams because one. They're bringing in someone young who can coach a young team. <clears throat> yes. They're bringing in someone young who can coach this young team. I mean, if you look at the Rams roster, I mean, most of their players are in their mid-20s. A high percentage of their players are in the mid-20s. So this is a very young squad. You have a young quarterback who they drafted in 2016 in Jared Goff who could benefit from Sean McVay's play calling. Another thing that this also opens up for the Rams is the Redskins have two veteran receivers who both enter free agency this season. Once free agency starts, the Redskins have a choice of Pierre Gasson or Deshaun Jackson. They're not keeping both receivers. It's either one or the other. So with that said, I think with other with uh what receiver that what other receiver gets released by the skin due to free agency will end up following Sean McVay to LA. I mean it's a good fit. I mean, why not come in with at least one player who knows your offense? And especially one veteran receiver who could help your quarterback out. Who can help your young quarterback out? I'm looking at McVay. I know he's going to come in and he's going to possibly bulk up that LA Rams offensive line. They have one good piece with Todd Gurley, their running back. But I mean, with McVay coming in, he will take a lot of pressure off of Todd Gurley and make the Rams offense somewhat respectable, something it hasn't been since. Fucking Mark Marks. <laughs> I mean, 
I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, uh, their the offense hasn't been shit since Mike Marks. I mean, Jeff Fisher was a fucking joke. I'm sorry. He barely won in fucking Tennessee. You thought he was going to do something special with the Rams? <laughs> okay. This motherfucker went off the RG3 trade, but still couldn't fucking win. I mean, seriously? End up doing the same thing a few years later by giving up all these picks to get a quarterback that he's not even certain in. Think about that. Let's, let's let's keep the balls rolling here. Let's keep the balls ball rolling. Apparently, Wade Phillips is also on his way to LA to be the defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. Gus Bradley is still looking around for jobs as a defensive coordinator. You have teams like the Washington Redskins who are who have interviewed him and thinking of making a decision on him sometime within the next week. The Jacksonville Jaguars will not bring in former head coach Chip Kelly as their offensive. Thank God. Jacksonville, y'all smart. Y'all, y'all, y'all smart for that one. I'm just saying. Chip Kelly, bruh. I mean, you're going to have y'all doing some real organ duck shit. And y'all don't need that. Y'all, I mean, he's already made y'all a fucking show. He's already made two franchises a fucking joke. I mean, seriously? Who really wants that? You're going to have fucking... You're going to have Blake Borges Bortles running fucking Oregon Duck offenses. Running fucking read options and shit. Taking direct snaps. That's not what... That is not what any NFL team needs. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest here. I mean, come on now. I mean, who really thought that Chip Kelly shit would work? Why? Who would seriously consider Chip Kelly's offense doing anything? I'm just saying, though. But I'm glad that Jacksonville has found those guys. They have found someone that they feel as though that can do the job. And make this offense, well, take this offense back to where it was two seasons ago when he had two thousand yard receivers. Well, one thing that this Jaguars offense is missing out is a serious front game. They haven't had that in a very long time. They haven't had that since Maurice Jones drew when he was one of the best running backs in the NFL. But this should be interesting. This should be real interesting. Any other head coaching that I need to reveal in a Jag oh, the Jaguars office I mean the Jaguars office coordinator name is Nathaniel Hackett. I thought I actually thought I said that already. Oh, okay. But I mean I'm looking at I'm looking at the 49ers right now. With the young team that they have, the team that they are trying to rebuild into, the players that they have, 
I know there's going to be a few moves that need to be made. Like, one, they want to rebuild that defense that was so dominant a few years ago. I understand that. That's going to take time. That's really going to take time. Um, another thing, they do bring in Kyle Shanahan. He, the, one of the first things he's going to do is actually boost that offense, something that it, that it desperately fucking needs. Um, this offense has been some ass ever since Jim Harp, ever since John Harbaugh fucking left. Surprisingly, um, surprisingly, I thought Colin Kaepernick would actually excel under Chip Kelly due to his play style and Chip Kelly's coaching style. But I mean, crappy coaching is crappy coaching. Lack of talent is lack of talent. Because, I mean, Chip Kelly was some ass as a coach, but the 49ers did lack talent. During this offseason, I'm looking for the 49ers to really bring in some wide receiver help. I'm sorry, Troy Smith. I love you with my dog. I appreciate the fact that you are a, that you were born in the state of Maryland. I respect you for that. PG County. But, bruh. You are not a number one. It's that simple. You are solid number two in deep threat, but you are not a number one. 49ers, y'all were stupid, y'all were stupid as fuck to ever think that. And again, I'm not downing my own, but I'm just calling it like I see it. Tory Smith is not a number one. It's plain as day. Uh, a little bit. Uh, what else do I have before? Oh, shit. We have a minute. We have 90 seconds left, y'all. I was about to read off a minute 34, but Blog Talk already said, nigga, you got 90 seconds. Okay. Since I have 90 seconds, what else do I need to say? Um, uh, the Rory Rumble is in two weeks. This week, check out the the conference championship game. Uh, Packers versus Falcons. Stills versus Patriots, NBA action. Make sure you catch up on your NCAA men's and women's basketball. And that is it. Before I go, though, I would like to say thank you for those who have listened to tonight's show. I'll be back in two weeks. Yes, two weeks. I'm not going to be here next week. I mean, I'm having a two food, and I'm not going to be able to actually talk to y'all. Y'all not going to be able to hear my nice voice over the radio next week. Also, what I was going to say, oh, yeah. But I'll be back in two weeks. Also, let's see, moving on. Tomorrow, please make sure you check out the first episode of 2017 of Two Sides of the Story Presents, Mike Check. You got... Your boy, the bishop. We got new hosts. Check it out. Friday night, you got his and hers. And I catch on two weeks. Holla. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.